Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. He kōna e purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai, I'm Alison Balance and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Ralph Pallisland is an ornithologist. His interest in birds and other natural history matters is an all-consuming passion. He used to be a scientist for the Department of Conservation and his job took him to far-flung parts of the country. These days, he does research a little closer to home, in the backyard of a retired farm on the south side of Polaris Inlet in the Marlborough Sounds. Twice a day, he heads out to do a census of the local weka. Who's this noisy thing over here? That's a juvenile that's fledged recently and he's begging for food. Yeah, we won't feed it. Encourage it to learn to feed itself and to disperse and establish a territory somewhere else. So what have you got there to feed your weka, Ralph? Well, we've got some feral goat meat and um, moist bread. Delicious. <laughs> God, there's weka everywhere, Ralph. Weka Central. This is E4, Sunshine. So he and E5, Deborah, have got a single chick. And it's about half grown. So how many weka on your property, do you think? Well, we've got ten pairs that we monitor uh, on a twice-daily basis. And, um, you know, there's extras, such as juveniles and shorties that haven't got a territory that, you know, know they can get a free feed. Um, so probably 30 birds. Yeah. So this is the morning round? Yep. And is this how it proceeds? You just walk slowly round and the weka come out to see you? Yeah, or we call them if they're not obvious. Yeah. So we are recording this just before Christmas, so obviously some chicks have fledged. Do they just have one clutch a year? Two, sometimes three. And typically two chicks, sometimes one, exceptionally three or more. But they, they can lay up to five eggs, so we have had a brood of five chicks. Yeah. That'll take a bit of feeding. Yeah, yeah. Now, the funny thing is, they can recognise quality of food. So, so, sometimes females, when they're about to lay, they'll refuse to eat bread, but they will, will eat meat. And in this situation, they'll take the bread to the chick and feed it. But if you give them some meat, they get really hyper. They call and encourage the chick to come and be fed. It's really fascinating. So... Yeah, they, they can know the difference between meat and, and bread. <laughs> so how long have you been studying the weka here? Um, started in 2010, and probably started before that. Um, Mary's parents lived here, and so we were visiting, and I began banding weka um, a few years beforehand. So when you started, how many weka pairs did you have here? As far as we can tell, we had just four. So this twice-daily circuit of handing out a little bit of food so that they would come to us and we could see them, um, recognise who, who is who, um, seems to have encouraged a greater density of weka. So how much area does a weka need in terms of a territory, a home range? Typically, probably a minimum of one, but up to five hectares. Where do weka sit in the bird world? Who are they related to? They're a rail, 
So they're related to um, Pukeko and Takahe, banded okay. rail. What kind of weka is it? Because there's different kinds, aren't there? Yeah, this is the Western weka, and yeah, there are three others. So there's um, North Island weka, Buff weka, which is sort of the Canterbury, but no longer there, present mainly on, on Chatham Islands, and Stuart Island weka. But actually, you can't tell them apart from the bones. Um, so the, the latest research using DNA genetics has revealed that there's just two types of weka, North Island and South Island weka. And Marlborough Sounds is a good hotspot for weka. Yeah, Marlborough Sounds and the West Coast. High rainfall areas and lack of ferrets. These seem to be two of the features that you know, promote weka longevity. There are other problems for them, such as dogs and traps and toxins, but if there's no ferrets and it's good rainfall year-round, then they've got access to soil invertebrates, which is their sort of bread and butter, and that's really good. So who's up by Mary? Schnoz. And what's Schnoz's story? So she and her mate have got a really small territory, probably be half hectare. So he's accepted that bit of meat, and now he's calling his female schnoz. Yeah, yeah. And he'll go off and try and find her and um, see if she's willing to accept it, which she has. Typically, if the, if the male is keen to re-nest, they uh, feed their females. They find, you know, bits of prey and supply it to them. So there's a possibility that they will re-nest. Um, in a week or so's time. This is Kate. And she and her mate, Jimmy, may have given up for the season. Did you notice that? Oh, he's spooning the bread, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, and, and certainly she did too. He's heard somebody else, so he's gone off to chase off. But she's turned her back on that bread, walking away. So that's a good indication that She's probably forming eggs and she wants high-quality food. They've got quite a range of vocalisations, Ralph. Yeah. There was that one call there that fits two situations. One, he was trying to um, attract his female to pass on that little bit of meat. But also he saw Hefty Lefty encroaching on his territory. So he was saying, you know, you're on my patch, leave immediately. (laughs) So do most of the juveniles stick around after the breeding season or do they slowly disperse away from here? They slowly disperse. And we're getting pretty close to emergence of chorus cicadas, which is a real feast for weka. So, you know, there'll be ample food available and they'll... be able to feed themselves, fend for themselves and just um, disperse and we won't see much of them um, after that. What would they primarily be eating at the moment? There's another cicada called the uh, variable cicada um, which you sometimes see them picking up but there's a whole variety of invertebrates that they find in the grass. Um, Even earthworms on the surface, amazingly, you know, they see them during the daytime. We've got birds coming from about three directions at the moment. So this is shut up. 
that Schnoz is one of her progeny, and she's that they're juveniles, so they're going to try and grab the food off her. It's quite a flurry of activity. Yeah. They managed to get airborne off the ground, though. Oh yeah, too right. What words would you use to describe a weka? Yeah, I think curious, but until they know you, um, then they'll be quite wary and, and you know, keep undercover. Um, and particularly if there's a dog or a cat or a falcon, harry around, they're really wary and they'll keep undercover. Yeah. Kleptomania comes to mind. I have camped in the Marlborough Sounds and... You can't leave anything lying around. No. And at one point on one of the islands, somebody had something stolen and we went looking for it and we found the enormous number of things that they'd stolen off previous campers, including entire things like bottles of olive oil, <laughs> which they dragged off into the bushes. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They, they take stuff away, um, investigate it, and then when they can recognise that it's no longer particularly useful to them, then they just abandon it. But it's interesting that they'd taken stuff to the same place. Yes. Yeah. So what does this daily round tell you? Tells me what each pair are up to, whether they are courtship feeding prior to egg laying, whether they're incubating, whether they've got young chicks, and you know, just how many chicks they produce. So it enables me to keep in touch with individuals to know how long they um, survive. Yeah. How long do they survive? Well, potentially up to 20 years, but I suspect the majority only last for 5 to 10 years. It's really difficult to keep tabs on an individual, particularly males, because as they get old, they're less able to guard their territory, and so they get supplanted by a, a younger, uh, more agile male. So the old male has to go off and find a new territory and a mate if they're capable of it, which they sometimes are, but it means that you know that those birds disperse out of my area where I can keep tabs on them. One of the things that I've always been aware of overall was that weka numbers have come and gone quite significantly, and I'm thinking in places like Golden Bay used to be a real stronghold for them. Then they seem to almost disappear from there, yeah. and, but now they're coming back. So yes. what's, what happened there, do you think? Yeah, I, d- I don't know, and it's something that has not happened here in the sounds generally. They've always been here. They might have changed in density to some extent, but nothing that I've really noticed. But we have had a feral cat taking out chicks. And so last season, the first broods got away, but then that cat took out most of the second brood chicks, so there was very little productivity in the latter half of the season. So there are predators that certainly do have an impact. But overall, they're, the adults are great survivors. So that's Jason and his two juvenile males. I call them juveniles because it, it, to all intents and purposes they're independent. But he will still feed them if I give him some bread. But you see that they're quite diffident about accepting food from him because obviously he's not keen to feed them most of the time and he'll give them a peck 
So they rush in and grab it and then rush away again. So really, these juveniles should be independent. We call them snatchers because they really snatch quite vigorously from the male. See, now he's going to get aggressive and perhaps give them a good peck. Now there's been quite a few efforts to return weka to various places to translocate them, which mostly don't seem to go very well, the, one of the exceptions being the Chathams, the birds that were moved out to the Chathams have done extraordinarily well out there. Yeah. So but, why do you think these other translocations aren't working? Any thoughts on that? Well, the Chathams is, is a great place for weka. You know, high rainfall area, it's like the sounds in, the, in Fiordland. Um, high rainfall, no ferrets, no stoats. So, you know, almost uh, predator-free. And, of course, once they're put on an island, they can't go home. Weka have an incredible homing instinct. And so um, adult weka that have got a territory, if you pick them up and shift them, the last thing they want to do is, is stay where they are. They want to go back to where their territory is. People have shifted them off islands, like um, Maud Island, onto the mainland nearby, and they've swum back and that's a distance of several hundred metres. So, yeah, they make every effort to to get home. And if you translocate them to a place where there are still predator problems or they're prone to drought issues, then, you know, the weka uh, struggle. Yeah. Is that what's happened in Lake Wanaka? Because they introduced some birds there. Yeah, mainly predator problems, ferrets, stoats. Yeah. Yeah. Ted and B are incubating, so we've seen Ted, and we haven't seen B because she's on her nest over there. What does a wicker nest look like? On the ground? Yeah, always on the ground, and generally under thick cover, so that they're protected from prying eyes, particularly wicker, other wicker, but but also harriers and such like. But she she won't come off in the morning. I mean, she's they probably changed over early morning at some stage. Say just for a guess, you know, four or five a.m. So he'll be off for all the day, and then they'll probably change over again around at dusk. But when I come around in the afternoon, she'll come off and have a quick feed for a minute or two and then dash back to the nest. Is it always the case that the female incubates during the day and the male at night? Yeah, yeah. And it's just as, as well Weka are able to forage at night. So they have a peak of activity in the first two or three hours after um, sunset but then there's not another peak until actually sunrise happens again. And because they are such effective hunters, they're actually a bit of a conservation dilemma, aren't they? Yeah, if you've got endangered species like you know, lizards, then you don't want weka running around, you know, hoovering them up at the same time. So, yeah, weka have been put on islands but have had to be taken off subsequently to protect endangered species. There was some thought that weka were actually moved around by Māori as a food source. Yeah, there's reasonably good evidence of that, and certainly it was recognised that the Māori used weka for rat control as well as a food source, but not just food, but their feathers were used for cloaks or garments, and also their fat was uh, used. So that there's just more than one product that the Māori were, were getting from um, weka. This is monster. And this is his parents' territory. So, and he knows that, you know, 
we're the provider of extra food. Now you say he, can you sex them easily? Yeah, yeah. So males are about 25% larger than females and they have a a larger, thicker leg. Generally, um, we can tell the juveniles by the time they're close to independence what sex they are and Monster is definitely a male. And they're how old when they're independent? Just a few months? Yeah, a couple of months. Hello. This is Horrible. What did Horrible do to deserve that name? He supplanted Drac, who was one of our favourites. He's fed his mate, Helen. So you've just given him some meat which is far more desirable. Yes. And so he's calling her to pass it on. So she's quite happy about that. So that growling, is that just him reacting to those other birds calling? No, it's him saying, you know, calling his mate or, or the chicks, I've got food, here you go. That's his mate. So he can call with his mouth full. <laughs> What's the downside of living with Wicker though? Yeah, you've got to fence them out of your veggie garden and any gardens, anywhere where you might want to mulch. Yeah, so most serious veggie gardeners in the sounds have them completely enclosed. And as you say, if you put things down, um, they will run off with it to inspect it and you know, you're likely to lose it for a while, if not permanently. Jandals, um, secateurs, whatever. Yeah. What does that call mean? Yeah, I've still got this food here. I'd like to pass it over to you, but you have to come and get it. So that's the morning round, and you'll come out again this afternoon? Yes. Yeah, about three o'clock. An ornithologist's job is never done. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Ralph Pallisland is an ornithologist and author of the new book, Weka, Opportunist and Battler. You can buy the book online from Real NZ Books and I'll put a link on our webpage rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. I'm Alison Balance and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 18th of February 2021. We have a webpage rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World where you can find every story we have ever made going back to 2005. It's a treasure trove of fascinating, everyday, sometimes arcane, but always informative stories about New Zealand science and the environment. As well as the audio, you'll find photos and plenty of useful links. We send out a regular email newsletter with the show links, and you can subscribe to that on the webpage as well. There are also curated collections of our stories. Fancy an audio trip to Antarctica? 
We can help with that. Want to dive into the world of New Zealand birds? Boy, we can really help you with that one. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to us as a podcast. RNZ Science, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, check out the podcast tab at rnz.co.nz. Tons of stuff to find there. We are on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.